Ode to Gaiety <clears throat> by William Broughton. Go, gloom, begone glum and grim, off with the drab, drear, and grumble. It's time, past time, to come undone and come out laughing. Time to wrap killjoys in wet blankets and feed them to the sourpusses. Come, frisky pals, come forth, wily wags. Loosen your screws and get off your rocker. Untie the straight lacer, tie up the smarty pants. Tickle the crosspatch with josh and guffaw. Share quips and pranks with every victim of grouch, pomposity, or blah. Woe to the bozo who says no to tee-hee-ho-ho -ho and ha-ha. Boo to the clean-cut klutz who wipes the smile off his face. Without gaiety, freedom is a chastity belt. Without gaiety, life is a wooden kimono. Come, cheerful chums. Cut up and carry on. Crack your pots and split your sides. Boggle the bellyacre, convulse the worry wart. Pratt fall the prissy poos and the fuddy duds. Take drollery to heart or end up a dead head at the guillotine of the mindless. Be wise and go merry round whatever you cherish, whatever you enjoy, what you live to exert. And when the high spirits call your number up, count on merriment all the way to the countdown. Long live hilarity, euphoria, and flumadiddle. Long live gaiety for all the laity. take a moment to, um, to look out the windows. And if you have a shutter closed on your side, friends over there, just look out that one. It's a beautiful weekend. Here's the world as we look out these windows. Such beauty and such terror. Let us keep our hearts tender and let us keep our hearts soft because this is what we are about. We know there is no answer but to love each other and we bear witness against unnecessary destruction and we gather here in this community to practice being the person the world is calling us to be. We cannot do everything but we can do something and that's something is never nothing. So let us forget our perfect offering. There is a crack in everything, friends. That is how the light gets in. Bag packed. Check. Laptop closed and stored away. Check. Projector borrowed from the church with permission from the senior minister to show the group of cranky clergy on Tuesday night a film to lift them out of their glum and gloom and glim. Check. Audio version of book I was supposed to read before the aforementioned gathering of clergy, particularly because I am on the three-person committee charged with leading 
two and a half days of study and reflection on said book that begins in two hours. <laughs> Which is just enough time to speed down 495 towards Centerville on the Cape where we will gather. Check. Not enough time to listen to the whole book. Check. But first this, just sit in the car. Just sit in the car which sits in the driveway and just stop. Do you ever do this? Don't turn on the ignition. Don't plug in the phone. Don't adjust the rear view mirror. Don't check yourself in the side mirror asking, is that more gray? <laughs> Don't. Just stop. Just breathe. Just look. Parker Palmer, the Quaker teacher, says that inner work Work on the heart and the soul can change the outer world. Which is a good reminder to those of us who think that we're either the kind of person who just loves to savor the world in the weekend or the kind of person who just wants to save it all. Parker's saying, people, it's not an either-or proposition. It's instead a two-step dance. So you with me? Stop. Just look and breathe in, just breathe in deep. Because the monthly car payment does not come cheap there in the driveway, and there are windows all around you. And above too, which cost extra <laughs> the sunroof, this slice of ceiling that slides back with the push of just one button and opens to reveal it's a three foot by one foot framed sky that is flaunting itself without any shame or humility. It is so blue and true and deep that it's daring everyone and everything to just try and look away, which I can't. Can you? You know, it's interesting. We, we can't seem to look away from accidents or the nightly news fear reel or Trump tweets. So how come we can look away so easily from autumn? But then, like the shock of the first frost that I don't think we've had yet, comes this. Welcome to your audio book. <laughs> you are about to enjoy author Scott Stossel's New York Times best-selling 2014 release of, you ready? My Age of Anxiety. Fear, hope, dread, 
and the search for the peace of mind. Seriously? <laughs> Who chose this book? Who did that after the year we've had? After all the drab, drear, and grumble and grim, a great poem, right? Yeah. Oh, look. Who chose that? Oh, look. There he is. Right there at the rearview mirror. <laughs> Staring at you. I did. I chose the book. Have you ever cursed your previous self? How about now as you hear the narrator purr on, the car now in reverse and propelling forward, the slice of sky now in eclipse. <laughs> the narrator says, my age of anxiety is a riveting, revelatory and moving account of the author's struggles with anxiety and the history of efforts by scientists and philosophers and clergy to understand the condition. As recently as 35 years ago, the narrator says, as I get, I think, on 109, anxiety did not exist as a diagnostic category, but today it is the most common form of officially classified mental illness. Hmm. Scott gracefully guides us. Really, does he? <laughs> gracefully guides us across the terrain of an affliction that is pervasive yet misunderstood. Chapter One, A History of My Nervous Stomach. <laughs> Great. <laughs> now look, I've done and you've done this drive to the Cape so much now that whole journeys get made without ever noticing or thinking or feeling or seeing anything. Right? Our glaze only interrupted by the, the hump of the Bourne Bridge as we get startled by the, the narrowing of the lanes on that bridge and everybody next to you is swerving suddenly too close and the cables could snap. And everyone's fine with that because they're checking their phones and driving so close just inches next to you while they steer. I'm anxious about heights to name just one. Something about this fall interrupts the autopilot in me. And the flare, the flare of color like today, makes even the Rentham Outlet Mall and Exit 95 and the dog racing track on the right and the highway hotels look like little corner sto stores of heaven. Huh. Which is, it's the irony of the season, isn't it? How it reminds us in no other way of, of another year that's gone. Time underfoot. Leaves falling, summer in rear view, 
light getting low. And along with the ache of that, everything, even the ugly and the broken along the side of the road and inside me and inside you just ablaze with light. Chapter two. <laughs> warriors or warriors, which are you? Both. And as I listen to the chapter and I watch these trucks pass me with the get on the Trump train stickers on the bumper and I go under the bridge, the overpass, where someone is hung against the chain link fence an American flag that is now tattered from the wind. And that's next to the faded Hillary sign that said, I'm with her. Next to the Brad, you are in our hearts forever, poster board. Next to the blue, hate has no home here signs. Next to the spray plainted plea on the bridge that says, Colleen, prom? <laughs> Please. next to the hashtag 2069 sign that's stuck in the ground, marking the number of opiate deaths in Massachusetts in 2016. I see all that and I'm reminded of why I suggested this book of anxiety for this small group of Unitarian Universalist clergy. Because I want to be a warrior but I'm a worrier. And the times that we live in scare me, which I know because I've never had so many dreams like I've had in the last year that have me, do you have these? That have me falling down and down and down until I wake up in the bed next to Karen my forehead glistening. Says David Brooks, who's maybe my favorite Republican, we live in an age of anxiety when many of us live with bewildering freedom without institutions to trust, he says, unattached to compelling religion or sources of meaning Anxiety, he says, is not so much a fear of a specific thing, but a fear of everything. An unnameable dread about the future. And people, he says, will do anything to escape it, like vote for someone who gives them a quick pass out of the anxiety by making promises for things to be great again or blaming your problem on someone else. Before the welcome to the Cape Cod sign comes, there on the right, I think you know where I mean, there are the cranberry bogs, pregnant with purple and juicy red. And even as the narrator, the anxiety narrator, warbles on, I've now got the tart taste of cranberries on my tongue. 
cranberry sauce, friends, is just in one month. On that great secular sacred holiday that is Thanksgiving, my most favorite holiday of the year, I've told you. Why? Because there's just no hype. There's no inflated things on your front yard. You don't have to buy a gift for anybody. You just get to, get to receive the grace of being alive for stuff you don't have to earn, people of the suburbs who feel like you have to earn everything. Like this fall, like this autumn, whose beauty lifts me up and up and up on the morning after I awake having fallen in my dreams down and 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 down. Chapter 3. Redemption and resilience. Finally. Oh, and oh look, just in time, here comes the Bourne Bridge, all high and spanning and narrowing and speeding closer. Will those cables snap? This bridge coming closer, not unlike this year. Can you believe it is 2017? All of us. I take you with me. All of us now suspended over the water. Hope for kids on this side. Worry for kids on this side. Work everywhere, commute everywhere. The commutes you tell me you have to do are, are shockingly hard. Empty nest here and, and with the empty nest, the, the kids who left having taken our hearts with them or parents or ourselves coming into the autumn of life with all the, the hospitals and doctors that, that come along with that and the worry about money and spouses and partners that we, we come back to again and again trying to nurture a patient love. Bodies flourishing and failing and bodies growing and bodies dying here in the fall of 2017. My emails and Heather's emails and Jessica's emails are so full of your stories. To say nothing of this world, so full of fear and so full of flight and aliveness. Sometimes up on the bridge, right, of life, we all get a little dizzy with the height. We are more worrier than worrier. Sometimes we feel like we might just fall down and down and down and down. The most powerful answer to worry says the narrator, is the courage to rest in anxiety and not quickly try to escape it. Uncertainty and anxiety throw you, says the narrator, off the smug 
island of certainty and force you into the free waters of creativity and of learning, which I try to do as I cross the bourne, opening the slice in the ceiling above me and with one eye on the road and one eye above me, I tilt my head back to receive the blessing of blue from the sunroof that in this moment, in these times, is a redemption roof. It's a redemption roof in this season of holy holies. And it redeems me and you from a diet of too much news, too many confrontations with what I cannot save, too little savoring of what I can save, too many tweets. Friends, I feel off balance. I feel off kilter, inner life neglected too soon, too much, which is why I need moments like those on the bridge, redeeming me from sky and water of fear and opening me to gratitude for color and love and autumn. Am I alone? Am I alone? I have been a Unitarian Universalist um, for 20 years, exactly this year, which is not enough time for me to be an expert, but it is enough time for me to have opinions. (laughs) And one opinion that I have of our faith tradition, for all of its gifts, is that a church like this, a faith tradition like this, can be difficult when we're all anxious and moved by things we cannot save. Why is that? Because we say deeds, not creeds. We say faith and action. We say Protestant work ethic, right? We say we can fix everything. We're used to it in our lives, by the way, many of us. And when we can't fix everything, we get anxious as hell or at least I do. Which is why when the worry grows in me and the warrior is left at home, we all need the reminder that our inner life needs tending just as much as the outer world. Not for nothing does our faith tell us that religion is for this world and this life and that God forget the arguments, is a verb and not a noun. Something that we can move closer to or further away from. This God, whatever that word means for you, that can be experienced in this heartbreaking, beautiful, open world. I was thinking about what I wanted to leave us with. So I was finishing my sermon last night saying, I'm going to put that to bed and just work on it tomorrow night and Saturday so I could experience the world. And I guess I want to tell you is today is a good time to practice. I kind of think that we live in falling down times. But we can use the fall around us to help us up. 
to get held up, get redeemed from all the worry we carry around. What do you want to fall up to? Chapter 4, Peace of Mind. And just as the narrator says that, I come up to the rotary. You know which one I'm talking about, the circle of death. (laughs) That free-for-all of Massachusetts merging aggression. (laughs) And there, in the center, cleared away from the shining brambles and purple leaves, is this sign. Tell someone you love them today. And so I did. And so I do. I love you. And in falling times, let us fall up together. Amen.